Hey everybody, welcome back to the Possum University podcast, aka the Possum University show. Yes. If you're watching on YouTube or seeing a clip on Instagram, um, we have a lot to talk about today. We do. We have some catching up to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just jump right into the drama that you stirred <laughs> on Instagram. It was unintentional. Usually it's me starting the drama on I Instagram. know, I know. Um, I had that post like sitting on my phone for a really long time too, and I was like, oh, we haven't posted in a few days. I'll just post this one. Like not thinking that it was going to create. And it was just a carousel. It really it was just a Canva design. Like it wasn't even a reel or my face or anything. It was just, just me talking about what you should and should not be doing if you have a reactive dog that is reactive to dog and dogs and people. Mm-hmm. And most people loved it. And other people were like losing their shit. I mean, this is literally just the do's and don'ts of our weekly reactive class, yeah. which is, I mean, really wildly successful. I don't think I have people coming from all over asking about the reactive class and seeing if they can join it, even though they don't live close. Mm-hmm. Like I had someone coming from Maryland this past weekend. Yeah. So, wow, I didn't know they came out fine. Yeah. Um, so, the biggest issue that some people were taking with the post that you made was that you were saying that you should praise reactivity. That was one of the problems. And then the other problem was that I was telling people to not U-turn okay, and not get away from the threat. Right. Which they're two different types of people. So we can discuss both sides, but the, the praising of the reactivity, it's the basis of fixing the problem. Mm. You can't fix this without it. Right. Otherwise, you're just managing. You're just managing. And that's not what we do here. We've always said we don't do Band-Aids. We we sew up big wounds. And I don't want my clients to have to deal with this until the the day the dog dies. Mm -hmm. I want you guys to live long and happy lives together without being frustrated day in and day out anytime you put your dog on a leash out the front door. Um, So the biggest problem that people have with this is that they feel as though when they are praising a dog while they're in the throes of lunging, barking, and growling, that they're praising bad behavior. And in reality, we're not praising bad behavior. You're you're praising the moment. You're praising the trigger, right? Your dog is walking along. They see a dog. They go into complete panic. And all of a sudden, mom and dad are throwing a party, tossing them hot dogs and telling them they're good boys and girls. And they're like, oh, 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 okay, we're, we're fine. Yeah. We have to change the trigger. Dogs learn by association learning, not cause and effect. So us yelling at them or reprimanding them for the barking, lunch, and growling only makes it worse because that only starts when the trigger presents itself. So in reality, all of this balanced and negative reinforcement training is actually the opposite of what we want to do. That's suppressing emotion. I'm not looking to suppress emotion. I want my dogs to be open and honest with me so I know when they're upset, so when I know when to fix a situation for them, when they think that they're in danger. Um, So in reality, praising is not praising bad behavior. The the reactivity is not the problem. It's the connection, the emotional connection that the dog has to the trigger, right? So if I praise my dog, give hot dogs, and get super excited every single time a dog is around, eventually, not overnight, eventually this dog will understand dogs are good. My mom is never putting me in a threatening position and I'm not running, well, I'll get into the not running away part, but we're not running away from the problem. We are sticking it out as long as the scene is safe and we are making sure that we're just trotting along and we're just doing our thing regardless of the barking, lunging, and growling. So the main principle is the fact that 
when your dog is over threshold, they're not creating those connections in their mind of like, oh, this is a way for me to get treats. They're yeah. more concerned about surviving the situation. Absolutely. Like we, we keep thinking that these dogs are like criminal masterminds. Like how do I get the most food? Yeah. On a normal day, they, they're probably thinking about how do I get the most food resources and attention for sure. But not when they're in a fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Like they're not these manipulative little toddlers. Like they are legitimately trying to stay alive. Right. So if I need to change the way they associate a trigger, it's on me. So they can either hate the trigger even more by me reprimanding them because they're like, wow, every single time this dog is around, I get screamed at. Dogs suck. Or there's hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Not so bad after a while. But this goes for anything. The mailman, dump trucks, kids, dogs, people. It doesn't matter what it is. This this premise works for everything that your dog is fearful to. Um, and then I had one person that was giving me an attitude about um, that you need to get down to the bottom of the reactivity because they could just be doing it for food. Now... If your dog is reactive due to fear, they wouldn't be doing it just for the food. If you have a dog who's overstimulated and has low impulse control, which is completely different than reactivity. Right. It's not reactivity. It's not the same. It's, it's apples and oranges. So to even say that on that post made no sense because it's we're not talking We've about frustration. We've already narrowed down the fact that this is reactivity. Yeah, it's, it's fear. So in terms of frustration, yeah, there's different methods. But again, I still use food. So even the point that she was making, I disagreed with. Um, but again, that post was not about frustration or overstimulation or low impulse control, which again is on us. We have to teach our dogs low impulse control. That's, that's basically patience and being able to c- control themselves in, in a situation where they're overwhelmed. Um, so that was neither, her, neither here nor there too. Um, and then the other side of the drama was I had a lot of positive reinforcement trainers say they disagreed as well because they do more command-based training, mm-hmm. which is treats for good behavior versus what we do, which is behavioral. I don't care about good behavior. Right. We're in the business of behavior modification. Absolutely. It's very different. Even though it's positive reinforcement, it's still different. Um, So I don't agree and I never will agree with you turning, running away, hiding behind a car, any management skills for reactivity. It doesn't. And I put this, I, I, posted another reel today explaining myself a little bit more about certain things. And in the caption, I wrote a couple of of points. And number five is I find that managing reactivity is, is more harmful than what we are currently trying to do with, with dogs, um, making them day in and day out, just be under threshold and, and live like that forever. I think that's worse. Right. I do. I think that that's, that's super stressful, especially dogs that live in apartments and don't have any where they don't have a backyard to, you know, run to, um, when they're on walks, that's where they're outside going to the bathroom when they should feel the safest, they're constantly on guard. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to move past the dogs that have come. I've said this a million times. We have so many dogs that have come through our reactive class from the depths of hell in terms of reactivity and fear. And now they're in a socialization class. Like these are dogs. Lily lives in an apartment. And now mom sends me videos of her trotting with a rain jacket on with duckies on it. And she's so happy. This was a dog who was constantly on guard while walking, no matter what. And now she's happy as clam because she's got to work out her emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I do not agree with you turning unless the scene is unsafe. If someone is super close to you and your dog could potentially bite them or their dog, yes, absolutely get out of the scenario, right? But if you're safe and your dog is safe, you need to keep on trucking because you can't agree with your dog that dogs and people are bad. If you U-turn, you cross the street, 
the second they see that trigger, you're agreeing with them. You're, you're literally feeding the, emo- the negative emotions that they already have. And I, I don't believe in that. And that's not to say that you're not going to get them back under threshold, but yeah. you're not going to run away from the problem. Absolutely not. We're going to continue on doing what we were doing safely mm-hmm. and letting them know that over, and that's what our reactivity class is. We, we have like four to five dogs. They're all here at the same time. We get the parents out first. We chat. We talk about what the rules are, what to do, what not to do. And then we get the dogs out of their cars accordingly to um, their threshold, right? Like who can handle leading the pack? Mm-hmm. Um, like Lily's to the point now where she can lead the pack. She doesn't need to be the dog that's in the right. back. She's just having a good time. Yeah. But she's um, not even in those classes anymore. No, she's, she's in graduated. the socialization class. Yeah. Um, but with our reactivity class, like... Um, you know, I get the dogs that are, that are the most um, zero to 10 when they hit the red zone right now, like the most fearful of a dog being behind them. So I let them bring up the rear and the other dogs who have made a little bit of more progress, I will let lead mm-hmm. because they're not as agitated by somebody behind them. Right. Um, so after a few minutes, maybe three to five minutes in the dogs settle in and there's a lot less barking. Um, I think this past reactive class, we hardly had any. It was a really, really, I mean, it's, these are people who have been with us for a while now and they're getting so much better. Like they're getting to the point of graduating up to the socialization class. And this is because when we are in our neighborhoods, we see dogs and people and we run, Mm -hmm. we do the management. So there's never a platform for these dogs to see dogs and let their brains regulate, right? Zero to 10, the second they see a dog bark, lunge, growl, mom or dad panics and runs away. And then they're like the dog or person is out of sight. And then they come back down and they're like, oh, phew, that's done. Right. Versus not leaving the situation and letting the brain regulate and understand praising, treating, getting excited. And they're like, oh, okay. One, we didn't run. Right. This dog is still present. I'm getting all really good resources and I'm not dead. They will come down from that and realize dogs are not actually a threat. But if you mm-hmm. never give them that chance. Yeah. Dogs, strangers, whatever it is they're reacting to. Yeah, whatever the trigger is, if you do not give them a chance to get over it, they never will. And you will constantly be managing until the day this dog dies. And I, again, I don't think that's fair. I am thoroughly against that. I think it's mean. So that is what we're doing here. So when I'm telling people, don't run away from a situation It's because I want your dog to make a breakthrough. I want your dog to come out on the other side versus you just managing this Mm -hmm. forever. Um, And again, if a dog is way too close, right? Like even someone was giving me a hard time about the three Ds, distance, duration, distraction. Duration is always going to be short. You know, even in our class, um, it's only 30 minutes long uh, for the dogs out of the car. And we make it so that no one's meeting face to face. They're all walking in a pack. So there's no, there's no real threat. So, um, the distraction itself is large to start with, but it stays consistent. So their brains are able to, like I said, regulate. Um, but when you're like walking in the neighborhood, your, your duration is going to be super short. Mm -hmm. I mean, either it's going to be a ship in a night situation where like someone's coming towards you and you're passing them. What's that? A a minute or two, depending on how, how long the street is. Um, so the duration is always going to be short. The distraction, depending on where you are physically could be worse than others. So she was saying, how do you know which dog's threshold? My advice does not change Mm -hmm. regardless of how, how strong your dog's, uh, threshold is or not. Um, if it's a short threshold, you still have to work through that. Even when they're freaking out, they may not take the food. 
That's okay. Again, I said in my post, if someone had me at gunpoint and handed me a burrito, I'm not eating the burrito. Mm-hmm. But if it happened daily and someone had me at gunpoint and kept handing me the burrito, I might take it eventually because I'm realizing nothing bad is actually happening right. to with this gun. Then I'm pretty hungry. Yeah. It's Got just a normal eventually. day after a while. Yeah. But if I constantly run out of the situation, I'll never get to that point of being okay with the gun in my head. Right? Um, so, no, I, I, I don't... In the beginning when I first became a trainer, yeah, if I fell back on the 3Ds hard because that's what you learn. That's what you're taught. But now while we're running this class, I've learned so much by just watching these dogs grow and, you know, giving me all these resources of other trainers and their articles and studies and this and that. That's all great. But I'm going to work with what's working for our dogs. I'm seeing the progress right before my eyes, the joy. Yeah. That's coming from them. So yes, there's a lot of people who have studies out there, but I don't know anybody else that's doing what we're doing with this reactive class and getting to the point of, of the progress that we're making. Yeah. And I love the, the, the professional students that come out of the woodwork to comment on things. <laughs> I see some of the dumbest things on Instagram and never am I so compelled to comment and yeah. try and like try and blow somebody's spot up. But it's like, it's almost like a magnet. Anytime we post something a little bit controversial, Mm -hmm. they come out of the woodwork and it's like- From both sides. Yeah. And and listen, like we're all in the same boat of trying to make dogs happy and healthy and you can only do so good of, of what you know, right? So like not saying that the trainer that was, you know, that was coming at me was intentionally trying to be rude. I mean, what she thinks that she knows, she thinks is the best information. Um- but, you know, she's telling me about threshold and this and that and not praising when they're running the throws of it. Um, and then I look at her page and she uses prong collars. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're going to give me grief about that, but you have a metal collar on your dog. Like, I don't understand how you don't understand what I'm doing is much better than what you're doing because mine has no fear and no pain involved, which is if you, and she said, we all want healthy and happy dogs. That's the case. Mm-hmm. Then- do you really? Right. Because this is information that's out there for you to learn from and grow from. Um, I mean, I don't know about anybody else that's listening, but I love to see people grow and change and evolve. You can be someone who does something at one point, but then sees that there are better options in changing your training. No one's going to think that you don't know what you're doing because you change your techniques. Don't, what is it? Don't, don't die on top of the hill or something like that. But yeah, There's a saying like, don't, don't die in the, on the hill. Yeah, right? like you're saying this one thing, but you can change. No one's going to judge you for changing. So all the trainers that are out there that are giving people like me a hard time, um, I'm not going to judge you if you decide to grow yourself and be better. And I don't think your clients would either. I'm not going to lie. There are definitely things that I did when we first became trainers that I look back and I cringe. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. We look at our old podcast episodes. You know, How like, many things have we had to address? That, like, yeah, actually, we've had more information and that's no longer yeah, correct. I, and I'm, I'm not going to say it didn't happen because it did. But I had to learn through that and realize that these are not the best methods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lots of dramas. So, talking about reactive classes, you're going to be offering a variety of three reactivity virtual classes, which are more like educational, like workshop kind of things. Yes. They're going to be an hour long. They're virtual. So anybody can join. Um, they'll be, what is it? Nine o'clock, 9 PM Eastern standard time. Yep. I wanted to make it so everybody can, you know, wherever you are, you can hopefully join, um, after work. That's going to be on Thursdays. 
Um, and the first one, where's my calendar? Looking for the date or the title? For both. Okay. I know it's re the, the first one's going to be reactivity to dogs. February 16th is reactivity to dogs through Zoom. Um, that'll be 9 p.m. on February 16th. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. And then the following week, February 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is virtual resource guarding. Um, the week after that is March 2nd. It'll be virtual reactivity to people. And then the following Thursday will be March 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that will be reactivity to kids. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to run these and, and modify them as we go. Uh, so just go to possumuniversity.com forward slash groups. Group? I don't know. I looked for it today. You said it was up there, but I couldn't find it. So we're gonna... I haven't added it to that website. Okay. So it's, we'll it's do that. Our Calendly. Yep. So we will link it so you guys can uh, join those. They're going to be $25 for the hour. Um, invaluable information to help you with whatever reactivity that you're dealing with. Um, right. What are some of the things we're going to be touching on here? Um, so reactivity in general is going a lot it's going to be going over a lot of um, how to fix that reactivity, how to, like we've been talking this entire time of whatever we're pinpointing and the scenario, right? Like with people, it's going to be a little bit different because I'm going to walk people through how to have guests over your house and have your dog not eat mm -hmm. them. Right? Yeah, so you have these different, the principles basically the same, but how you're going to be discussing it's different. So we have our reactivity to dogs or reactivity to people and kids. reactivity to kids. And each of those is going to have very specific scenarios yep. and kind of more geared towards people and their pets who are experiencing those specific issues. Absolutely. Because there's so many different scenarios that can play out, but there are so many things uh, across the board that you can do to set your dog up for success. Um, so someone who's looking to sign up for this class, what could they expect? Um, a lot of information about how to get your, like let's say the dogs and, you know, dogs and people, how do you get your dog to be okay with People coming over, guests coming over, how to get them more comfortable with this, um, depending on who it is. And again, I'm going to go through a bunch of different scenarios, different types of people that may come mm -hmm. over and what to do specifically for them um, and the different things that you can do for each different type of dog, right? Like there's, it, this is not a one stop fits all right. at all. Um, so I'm going to give you like, if your dog is super smart and will go forward and bite, this is what I would want you to do. Right. If you have a dog that's going to go hide in the corner, this is what I'm going to have you do. So it's going to be a lot of specific types of dogs. So you can pick and choose what works for you and implement it. And we'll be digging into more of like the background psychology of mm -hmm. reactivity, where it comes from, how to identify it. Why does like it, that. why did it start to begin with? Right. Um, because there's always a reason, like everyone, I always get messages. I have no idea why this is happening. I need help. And I'm like, I know that's what I'm here for. I need to explain it to you. Yeah. One, so you can have empathy for your dog and two, so you can fix it. Right. Cause if you don't understand the why you're, you can't just stop Googling. Everybody Googles and they're like trying to figure out what's wrong with their dog. And Anybody can make a website. Anybody. That's a problem. Um, so, but, yeah. so if you're interested in taking any of these virtual classes, you can take them from anywhere. All you need to have is access to Zoom. Um, PostonUniversity.com. It's $25. If you can't swing the $25, send us an email. We will work with you because mm -hmm. um, we really want this to be accessible to everybody. Yeah. But $25 will get you in for it's It's probably going to run over an hour. It always I talk does. a lot. Um, but we're saying at least an hour. I'm sure we'll answer some questions. We're going to address everything about reactivity. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So 
you can check the dates, but we have a couple coming up. Yeah, uh, it should be fun. It should be. I know you've been hounding me on getting the infrastructure in place for these because virtuals. so many people have been asking me for because we are our, our listeners are all over the world, so they can't come here for stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and some of them can't afford the virtual one-on-one sessions. Mm-hmm. They just can't, and that's okay. And some of them don't need it. They yeah, they need... don't need the full forty-five minutes. They just need a couple of hints. Now, if someone is like a trainer, like a, they're a new trainer, can mm-hmm. they benefit from these classes? Absolutely, you can always learn. I mean. A lot of the stuff that, you know, I would say 50% of what we know is kind of what we've learned on the fly, but the other 50% is stuff that we've learned through double, um, IAABC, um, you shelter. know, working at the shelter for as long as we did. It's, it's, you know, in the beginning, you kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and what mm-hmm. you feel and what you resonate with. But the more you learn, the better. My thing is, and this is a personal thing as a trainer, I don't like all the mumbo jumbo jargon. I hate that. I don't like talking to my clients, like using all these big words and you know, it just doesn't work for me. I'm pretty sure that comes from a place of insecurity. And that's what I feel too. Everything, all the scientific stuff, you know, No, we know it too. We just, you don't get anywhere. You got to use layman terms of people who don't do this professionally. Um, Otherwise it becomes really, really, um, overwhelming and intimidating and it also like not only do a lot of people not understand what the hell you're talking about because if they were a dog trainer they could have learned that themselves right right? um but it makes it feel sterile Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be sterile i shouldn't like my clients should not feel like they're at the doctor's office Mm -hmm. um you know and i'm sure you listening in on my virtual trainings and such um like a lot of our virtual clients become family i mean like we sent out holiday cards this year and you know Anaya um Anara's mom was like oh my god I feel so honored you mm-hmm. know I mean like we're so close now and like she sends me pictures of her son mm-hmm. like we should be family because I want to make sure that we are helping your dog be them be- their best self right and not just for three sessions like it should be a long-term relationship yeah absolutely and that's why we have you know the bundles that we do so you can save money and have John and I at your disposal for a long period of time. Cause sometimes these things take a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just got a consult call from somebody who has a five month old puppy that's bit them twice over resource guarding, you know, like that's tough and that's not going to be overnight. That's not going to be a one-time oh. session because that's deep rooted. It's, it's snowing. snowing. It's snowing. <laughs> I love um, snow. All right. So let's do a question or two. Okay. I'm going to restart the camera real quick. So it doesn't go off on us. So I posted to our Instagram story looking for people who had questions for you. Mm-hmm. And um, we got a lot. Really? So now I got to go through to see. Okay. Fire away. A lot of these we've addressed way too many times. Okay. Yeah, some of these are a little tough. Just read one. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Okay. Here's, here's an interesting one. Okay. Is there such a thing as getting anxious from too many smells at once? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's overstimulation. Um, Tishy gets it sometimes, mm-hmm. um, especially if there's any liquid involved, <laughs> I find, with this, the scent. Um, a lot of dogs will teeth chatter. It's yeah. basically like the brain is just like firing off. Like there's so much going on. Right. Um, and it can really stress them out. And then they, they can get the, it was called the Fleming response. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the word yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and what's that again? It's like what the goats do when they catch a scent. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with picking up on pheromones. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, too many scents can be very, very overstimulating, mm -hmm. um, especially if there's other stimuli involved, like loud noises, uh, traffic, cars, mm -hmm. other dogs. Yeah, it's just too much at once. And then you throw in the mix if like your dog is not spayed or neutered and maybe they smell something with pheromones that could make them lose it, right? Like you have an unneutered dog and they smell urine from a intact female who's in heat. Ooh, mm -hmm. that, yeah. Yeah. And so I created the SOP at the shelter for aromatherapy for the dogs. Mm -hmm. And it was, I was very intentional of adding, cause there was seven days in a week. It, there was two days where there was nothing, mm -hmm. no, no, um, what's it called? Essential oil. No adaptil, no essential oil, nothing. Just regular, you know, whatever it was. Just regular the, air. <laughs> the idea is to continue to keep them, you know, bring them back from being overstimulated. If they're overstimulated, you got to give them a break. They have to reset. regulate. Yeah. Right. So that is something that we were intentional to work into that. And um, so, important. yeah, you could totally get overstimulated from too many smells. Good question. Let's see what else we have. Some of these are like, well, like how to calm a dog inside the house. Mental stimulation, depending on what they're, they're freaking out about. Mm. Okay, here's one. How to potty train your puppy well so that they don't forget when they move places easily. I'm assuming that means like if you're moving yeah. to a new home and yeah. you just potty trained your dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, it's going to be tough. So it's trial and error. Um, and it also depends on your dog, right? Like if you have a dog, if you have a happy dummy, it's probably not going to matter. Yeah. They're going to kind of like, the happy dummies are definitely more like la 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 la. Everything is great. As long as you're there and there's food, they're pretty much happy. it's kind of hard to tell who's a happy dummy and who's there a can, smart dog when you talk about puppies. Yes, that's true. Because a lot of times the puppies don't really figure it out until they're like around eight months when they come into maturity. Because they're all crazy. Yeah, they're all crazy and, and you know, nutty in the beginning. Um, some of them you can tell right away, but uh, some of them it's, you don't know. Like Sage, I'm a, I think mm. she's more intelligent than a happy yeah. dummy, you know, but she's, she's almost six months now. Right. Um, but in terms of like, Potty training, um, if your dog is like a more la, 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 everything is great, you probably won't struggle too much because anxiety is not something that's going to plague them as often as a smarter dog would. And again, not saying your dog's not smart. It's just they're in a different wavelength of thinking. They're not overthinking things. Yeah. The smart dogs really overthink and it's not a good thing. You, you want the happy dummy. Um, the very intelligent dogs are going to be more anxious. When you are more anxious, you tend to not uh, see reality as it is. And you can, you know, misinterpret things or just get so overstimulated where, you know, it's not computing or it's not, um, it's not sticking in your brain because you're too worried about certain things. Like if you go from like our farm, a nine acre farm, the only person you see is Dave, you know, mm -hmm. um, we have like minimal neighbors. It's just us out here. If we took the dogs and we moved into apartment, Pudge would be losing it. Right. And Pudge would probably have a few accidents because, She's just stressed. She's stressed and she, you know, finding the door properly, um, being comfortable enough to pee outside with all this hustle and bustle, right? She's never experienced that before. So I would anticipate her having an issue with it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then once she got used to it, her being okay. Because she's a very potty trained dog. But um, the anxiety 
can definitely alter this and really give them a difficult time. So the best advice I can give you is to go slow, um, to have a lot of patience for your dog and be on top of it, almost like you're re-potty training, like when they were little. So you get into the house and like, this is a struggle too, when you move into a house, right? You're trying to get everything organized, trying to get all the boxes in, all this stuff. So if you can have like a few days where maybe like, um, someone can take care of the dog in your old home while you get the house mostly set up. So when the dog physically comes to the house, you can actually give them that attention. Um, if you're still crate train training, this will help, but if not, and your dog is just roaming around free, you're going to have to keep an eye on them. Yeah. Like you would a young puppy. Um, so you're basically retraining all over again, but use the same word that you used in your old home. Um, like we use go do peepees, right? So mm-hmm. we would continue saying that we would not change that. Go to that same door yeah, every that's time. That's what I was going to say is it, it, grasp onto any bit of consistency yeah. and familiarity that you can to kind of help them with that transition. Yes. And maybe figure it out for yourself before you even get into that home. Like, right. We've switched the bathroom door a couple times being in this house right. because the setup's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Like at first we were having them go out the front cause we're on a nine acre farm. We're all the way in the back. So it really doesn't matter where they go. Yeah. Um, but we had them go out the front door for a little bit and then we didn't like that anymore. And then we switched it to the downstairs back door. And now we go out the top back door, back door with the balcony. So, yeah. so we've switched it. The balcony is my favorite. Um, yeah, and I think they like they it come too. right into the kitchen and eat. So, yeah. So it, we've switched it up. What I suggest that for people know, um, so definitely like come into the home and say, what's going to be the easiest for us so mm-hmm. the dog can stay consistent. Yeah. And even if you need to like mark the door with something, like if you always kept their leash on the, on mm-hmm. the back door where they would go to the bathroom, yep. that's where you're going to keep that leash now. Like I said, any kind of familiarity is what really going to help them. What did we do with Opal when she was blind? I mean, she was always blind, but, um, our blind puppy, we had to show her which door to go out of. And didn't you put like essential oils? Yes. What did you put? Um, Lavender? What did I use? I think you I lavender. totally forgot I did that. Yeah, it must have been lavender. Um, yeah, I marked the, the corner of the door with a little bit of lavender. So she could smell so it. So she her, knew her which smell door was to heightened. use. So even like things like that um, can be helpful. Um, no wee wee pads. Don't go backwards. Right. You know, um, but yeah, I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Um, do you want to just touch on our shelter and rescue solutions? Absolutely. And then we'll wrap this one up. Yes. I'm really excited about this. So this is a long time coming. This is our shelter and rescue solutions program. Um, we are opening ourselves up, uh, to work with more rescues, um, really going where our passion is, um, and having more resources for rescue. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't have to be physical. We can do virtual trainings just like we do with our clients. Um, the shelters and the rescues that are smaller that don't have the funds to hire a trainer full time, that's expensive. Um, can use, we call it trainer on retainer. So they can hire us, um, to, and there's like, you know, two, two bundles in terms of using trainer on retainer and what's included in both. Um, but it's a monthly fee, you know, it's not recurring. You do it whenever you want. Um, but it comes with a bunch of, uh, discounted trainings, um, assessments, dog meets, uh, adopter meets, helping them get adopted, working with the adopter afterwards, Anything that you need to lunch get a dog learn, out the door. Lunch training for staff and volunteers is another big thing. That's a big one. And that's something that we can also do virtually. We don't need to be in person to, and that you can just do that a la carte. Like it doesn't, you don't have to pay for the bundle to, for it to be like mm-hmm. a whole big thing. Um, but everything that we offer can be, you know, purchased at a discounted rate and by itself. So, 
um, lunch and learns, if there's anything that your staff and your volunteers need to learn or need to brush up on handling, um, you know, programs and stuff like that. Um, anything that you need to, you know, work with your, your volunteers and your staff. We have one, um, rescue that we're working with right now. And and we're actually going to do two different lunch and learns. We're going to do, um, one basic lunch and learn about, you know, the, the basics for, um, handling and just how to take care of dogs and behavior and stuff, stuff like that for the, the, um, less seasoned, more new volunteers. And then she wants us to do a more advanced one for her really solid 10 people who do a lot of the difficult fostering, a lot of the difficult handling, mm-hmm. um, and the working with the more difficult dogs. So I can help them with resource guarding, really intense reactivity, those types of things where we can really, where I would just brush on that with the, yeah. the lower level group. So, um, and then you have options that you're going to offer with right. like auditing and stuff like that. Shelter operations kind of stuff, lending yeah, so. my expertise and experience and that, um, you know. So that, explain that a little bit. Well, basically it's just going to be offering any, anything operations. So auditing, cutting down prices, um, interdepartmental logistics, like things like that, that plague rescues and shelters that yeah, they're not know, set up properly they, they either don't have the resources they don't know how to up their standard of care they don't know how to how to properly clean um everyone's sick <laughs> they things like that where they just don't have the resources yeah. for will lend our expertise to kind of help with those specific situations yep. so we're kind of like a one-stop shop for rescues and shelters that are not quite ready to take that step of having someone on their staff but want to be able to tap in and utilize that resource. So that's rescue.possumuniversity.com. Yep. I think it was rescue. Let me confirm. Do that. But we're really excited about it. We are also going to be, um, we have converted our barn. Uh, We have three kennels uh, that we are going to keep. There are large kennels, and we are going to be keeping those open for dogs that are on the chopping block. Um, that are, you know, really struggling behaviorally or breaking down in, in the shelter or rescue. And those um, would be for those rescues and shelters that we work with. Yes. Uh, but they're going to be, one of them is almost totally finished. It's, they're 120 square feet. It's huge. It's, it's beautiful. Bigger each than kennel, some children's bedrooms. Each kennel is 120 <laughs> square feet, climate controlled, turf, um, you know, everything, surveillance, security. Yeah. Um, and then we have the rest of that facility that it, it's all almost done, but we're going to utilize that for training staff, volunteers, and, uh, you know, owners, dog parents, um, will be utilizing that space as like an educational center as well. Yep. So that's our rehab program, um, for dogs who really need to get out, um, and get, get into a rehab program so they can get adopted. Yeah. So that should get us up to speed. Yep. Um, that's all we have for this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Possum University. Again, we talked about rescue.possumuniversity.com. If you are a volunteer or you work for a rescue or a shelter, um, you can learn everything you need to know about that program there. Uh, We had possumuniversity.com forward slash group. I want to say forward slash group. Um, That's everything about our group classes. If you want to jump in on those virtual reactivity classes, but you'll see everything on Possum University's Instagram. Yep. Um, That's all we have for this one. You Sorry. are rusty. I am. That's all we have for this one. Until the next one. Class dismissed.